0: A woman in San Francisco paused for a moment on a busy street corner to try to recall the most memorable Christmas present she ever had.
2: Oh, I remember a little dolly in a box. And I could never play with it. I was always dishes to wash and something, and that was the only time I remember that every time under my bed I had the little dolly in a box. And when I went to sleep, I'd look in and open that lid and look at that little dolly and cover it up and put it under the bed.
0: A little dolly which made a big impression on a little girl. In Colorado Springs, the men of the North American Defense Command are committed to the job of guarding America against any kind of surprise attack. And it's their job to know about any foreign objects flying around in the sky. Now, would you consider Santa Claus a foreign object? We're not sure, but we would like another report right now on the tracking of Santa Claus across the skies.
1: I'm Colonel R.L. Gould, the director of the Combat Operations Center of the North American Air Defense Command in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Starting at noon today, when we first picked up an odd object in the vicinity of the North Pole, we have been tracking it all the way through Canada and the United States up to the present time. At first, our scrambling interceptors from Greenland reported that the power unit had deer horns on it, and that the pilot was overweight. He had no weapons on board, all he had were brightly wrapped packages. When he was asked to identify himself and come out from behind the scarf he was wearing, he only smiled in a friendly fashion, showed the scarf was his long whiskers, and continued on southward. Initially he was slow-moving and sluggish, indicating he was heavily laden. But as the day has worn on, the load has lightened, and his speed has increased. We are beginning to get reports now that he seems to be everywhere at once. This is not due to the fact that our radar is playing tricks on us. It's just that he has to land at every house before the sun comes up.
0: And through the years, we guess Santa has learned the secret of being everywhere at once. You know what I'd like for Christmas? That secret. present that you received as a child do you remember the most vividly? An answer from a man in San Francisco.
3: Oh,
2: golly, that's, uh, that's difficult to say. I do remember a, a present I got one year when I was about uh, five years old. It was a uh,
0: sort of mechanical horse. It was called a Cal's Colt, and I, I enjoyed it very much, and I liked it, but one day I got rather ambitious, and uh, took the uh, the screws off and took the thing apart and threw them over the fence, and that was the last I had of that toy, but uh, uh, I regretted it, but it was too late then. I recall that one. We're sure there will be many other small boys who take apart their Christmas toys this year and live to regret it. The monitor beacon. <laughs> H.V. Kaltenborn made his first radio broadcast in 1921, which certainly makes him the grand old man of broadcasting. In his long, long lifetime, he's lived through many incredible and exciting experiences, but the experiences we want to talk with him about tonight are not those. We want to ask him about Christmas, and with the help of Bill Gordon at WPTV Palm Beach, we have Mr. Kaltenborn on the open line from Florida. Mr. Kaltenborn, what was your Christmas like when you were a boy in Milwaukee?
2: Well, That brings up a lot of memories. In the first place, uh, we had none of the things we have today. There was no radio, there was no television, there were no phonographs even. In other words, we had to produce our own entertainment. And uh, my Christmas uh, days in Milwaukee were practically on the German basis because Milwaukee was a German town and we were a German family. And so uh, our Christmas was very much like the German Christmas in Germany itself. We always had a Christmas tree with candles. I was appointed the fireman who had to have a bucket with water, and in all the years that uh, I celebrated Christmas with uh, a tree lit by candles, we never had an accident.
0: A tree with real candles must have been beautiful. What, What sort of presents did you receive?
2: The presents were altogether different from what they are today. We always got uh, things uh, that we could do something with. In those days, we used to get games that we would play that would take a long time to play. For example, uh, uh, we had such games as fish pond, where there were fish sticking out of a board and you had a pole with a little hook, and you tried to hook the fish, and it took a lot of time and a lot of patience. Uh, Tiddlywinks was a great game in those days for children. Presents were modest. I don't uh, remember getting anything that was more important than a new sled or uh, a new pair of skates. And of course, uh, the winters in Milwaukee were rather severe, so we were able to do a good deal of skating and a good deal of sleigh riding and that was uh, our great winter joy
0: a perfect place it sounds for children to grow up what kind of music did you have in your home at christmas
2: of the christmas carols that we sing are german in origin and we always uh, sang those in fact that was part of a christmas day ceremony we would be called by a little bell that would be rung by father or mother downstairs And we children had been waiting upstairs and would come rushing down. This was always Christmas Eve. And uh, then we were supposed to line up and sing two or three songs before we were permitted to go to our particular table where our particular presents were uh, stored up. Mm -hmm.
0: And what was your most memorable present?
2: I remember one present that appealed to me uh, very much. I got it, I think, when I was four years old. And that was a savings bank for pennies. Pennies had real value in those days. And uh, this was a little iron bank with a monkey who removed his cap and bowed. And at the same time, in his left hand, he had a plate. And you'd put a penny on the plate, and as he bowed forward with his cap, the penny would drop into the bank and be mine forevermore. <laughs> so I would, of course, always go around to everybody and give them a chance to put in a penny, which they did.
0: I wonder whether children today would appreciate a penny bank. They'd probably much rather have a dime bank or a quarter bank. But at any rate, any other thoughts about Christmas you'd like to share with us, Mr. Keltenborn?
2: Christmas was more simple. I think it was more genuinely devoted to uh, the Christmas spirit than perhaps it is today where a good deal of commercialism has managed to come into it. And may I, in closing, wish Frank McGee and his associates up there at NBC, uh, with whom I've worked for so many years, I'd like to wish them all a very Merry
0: Christmas. Thank you, Mr. Caltonborn. We appreciate your Christmas greetings. And we hope there in Florida, though you won't have a white Christmas, that you will have a very merry one. Thank you again, sir. A pause now for a message from one of our sponsors. And now, noted Washington columnist Drew Pearson with an important message.
2: I have reported danger signals from various parts of the country of coal's contagion and increasing absenteeism from work and school. In my business, I can't afford colds or absenteeism. No matter what happens, I have to meet a deadline every day. Now, infectious germs in your mouth and throat increase a cold's discomfort, can make the cold drag on. But gargling with Listerine antiseptic does a terrific job of killing these germs by millions. In fact, in 12-year tests, thousands of people who gargle with Listerine antiseptic twice daily had fewer, milder colds. So ladies and gentlemen on that record, and as a Listerine user, remember, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. To guard against colds contagion, take a tip from one who knows, and gargle at least twice daily with Listerine antiseptic.
0: The other day, with Christmas near, one of my associates here at Monitor heard his seven-year-old son ask his mother, why won't Daddy be home on Christmas Eve like other Daddies? Well, the mother sought an answer which would satisfy a seven-year-old boy, and so did the father, who overheard the conversation, and he tried to explain. Sonny said, "'You see that Christmas tree with all the lights shining, making the room bright for Christmas? Well, those lights will still be shining on Christmas Eve. I won't be here then, but the lights will still work, won't they?' And the youngster said, "'Yes,' but the father continued, "'Those lights will shine Christmas Eve because hundreds of men and women will be working at power plants and substations to make sure the electricity that makes them glow gets to our house.' Then on Christmas morning, there'll be milk at the door. A man will have to get that milk ready, and he'll be up most of the night. Chances are that he's a daddy, too. And the father continued, When I finish my work at Monitor on Christmas Eve, and you're sound asleep, I hope, I'll come home on a train. Well, that train needs an engineer and a fireman and a conductor and a brakeman and all the switchmen and inspectors who have to be there to see there are no accidents. Hundreds of pilots will be flying planes with their co-pilots, stewardesses, engineers, and navigators. Soldiers will continue to guard our frontiers, the police go on patrolling in cities and towns and in the country. Doctors and nurses will be working because people do get sick at Christmas, just like other days, and the firemen will be on alert as usual, and someone has to prepare food for all those people who will be working. Well, like the people who get the milk ready and the railroad engineers and the firemen, the policemen, the soldiers, the doctors, and all the others, we're used to it. Here's an example. It's almost uh, 10 o'clock New York time, Christmas Eve, Let's hear from some of the dozens of NBC newsmen stationed around the globe.
2: This is Frank Bergholzer in Moscow, the Soviet Union, wishing everyone out there a wonderful Christmas. In Moscow, it's about ten minutes to six in the morning. This is Lee Hall, NBC News, Brazil, wishing you a Merry Christmas from Rio de Janeiro. It's about nine o'clock here on Christmas Eve, and as we say it here, Feliz Natal. This is Cecil Brown in Tokyo. Merry Christmas to all, and we certainly can say that.
3: We're here in Japan. it is 10 minutes to 11 on Christmas morning. This is
2: John Rich, NBC News, Paris. A Merry Christmas from the Champs-Élysées, where it's already almost 4 o'clock on Christmas morning. This is Kenneth Bernstein, NBC News, Buenos Aires, where it's midsummer, and Christmas is only a quarter of an hour away. Feliz Navidad. Merry
0: Christmas. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to all of you. You know, you never would have heard all this if it were not for the engineers, the producers, the announcers and writers, and the newsmen here at Monitor, and along the line in our NBC radio affiliates. So a special Merry Christmas to everyone who has to work on Christmas Eve, and a very special Merry Christmas to all of you whose daddies and mommies are out working now, uh, helping to keep things going. the most beautiful moment of all in the homes of America tonight. Jesus,
3: Jesus tender shepherd, shepherd hear, me, hear me. Bless my, my child tonight. Fruit of the darkness be beyond me. Every. Keep me safe till morning, morning light.
0: Amen. And so the time comes for us to say good night to you on this Christmas Eve. We leave you with the warmest good wishes We hope that tonight you are receiving the most wonderful presents of all, love and friendship, presents which come wrapped in many forms, a Christmas card from a long-lost friend, the expression on your children's faces when they met you at the door tonight, the kiss your wife gave you, the piny, familiar smell of the Christmas tree, or the homemade cookies the neighbor brought over, the whispers of the children as they debate how to wrap your Christmas present. Tonight, on this most holy of nights, We wish for you a happy, joyful Christmas.
2: This is
0: Monitor